Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Monday, February 28, 2022. Coming up this hour. Talks between Ukraine and Russia set for this morning. Global team coverage on the conflict straight ahead. Equities sell off, treasury yields fall, and the dollar strengthens as the West isolates Russia. And oil soars as more sanctions cause fears of an energy crisis. It's a milestone for coronavirus mandates in New York State. Plus, North Korea is ramping up tensions while the world is focused on Ukraine. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stanshower in sports. The Knicks and Rangers both lost games at the Garden. A shutout win for the Islanders. A biggie's loss for St. John's. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. On Bloomberg 1130 New York. Bloomberg 99.1 Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 1061 Boston. Bloomberg 960 San Francisco. Sirius XM 119. And around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. Good morning, I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. Global stocks are tumbling and havens are rising this morning. We're coming up to 501 on Wall Street and we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day. On Bloomberg, S&P futures lower down to 67 points. Dow futures down 435 and NASDAQ futures down 194. Ten-year Treasury up 14.30 seconds, yield 1.91%, and the yield on the two-year, 1.49%. Nathan. Karen, we begin with the latest out of Eastern Europe this morning. There is word Ukrainian officials plan to meet with Russia, and Belarus is preparing to send troops into Ukraine. Amy Morris kicks off our global team coverage from our Bloomberg 991 newsroom in Washington. Hours after Vladimir Putin put his country's nuclear forces on higher alert, Ukrainian officials planned negotiations near the border with Belarus. But the Washington Post is quoting an unnamed U.S. official that Belarus is preparing to send troops into Ukraine as soon as today to help Russia. Senator Mark Warner on the Senate Intelligence Committee tells NBC's Meet the Press Vladimir Putin may have miscalculated. And when you are an authoritarian leader and you have less and less inputs and you're only hearing from people that want to say to the boss, hey, you're right, uh, I think that leads to miscalculation. I think that is what has happened in the case of his invasion in Ukraine. The U.S. is now advising its citizens to consider leaving Russia immediately, with President Biden set to speak with allies on the crisis later today. In Washington, I'm Amy Morris, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Amy, thank you. Now, more on that meeting between Russia and Ukraine. Ukrainian leader Vladimir Zelensky is questioning whether much may come of the talks. I'll say, frankly, like always, I don't believe that much in the result of this meeting. But let them try so that not a single citizen of Ukraine has any doubt left that I, as president, used every chance to stop the war, even a small one. Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky is asking foreigners to join his forces. In response, Latvia will allow citizens to voluntarily travel to Ukraine to fight Russia. Meantime, Karen, the United Nations Security Council has voted to hold a rare General Assembly meeting today over the crisis in Ukraine. Bloomberg said Baxter has the story. 
This is an attempt by the nations to further isolate Russia. U.S. Ambassador to the U.N. Linda Thomas-Greenfield says the urgent response came as Vladimir Putin put his nuclear program on high alert. Even though he is invading a country with no nuclear weapons and is under no threat from NATO, a defensive alliance that will not fight in Ukraine. The only vote against holding the assembly was Russia, but it does not count as a veto because it's considered a procedural meeting. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Ed, thank you. Western nations have agreed to unleash new sanctions to further isolate Russia's economy. And Bloomberg's John Tucker continues our global team coverage live in New York. John, good morning. Karen, some Russian banks will be excluded from the SWIFT messaging system, which is used to conduct trillions of dollars worth of transactions. The European Commission President, Ursula von der Leyen, made the announcement over the weekend. Cutting banks off will stop them from conducting most of their financial transactions worldwide and effectively block Russian exports and imports. The decision to cut off banks from SWIFT marks a rapid escalation for the U.S. and its allies, who had said such a move was a nuclear option. And Russia's central bank will now also be prevented from deploying its international reserves. The decision to hit the central bank is a first for an economy the size of Russia's. It could lead to massive bank runs and shake Russia's financial system to the core. Live in New York, I'm John Tucker, Bloomberg Daybreak. Yeah, John, we are seeing the conflict in Ukraine have a major impact on equities and the Russian ruble this morning. Bloomberg's Ewan Potts continues our global team coverage live from London. Good morning, Ewan. Good morning, Nathan and Karen. Yeah, European stocks selling off today, sovereign bonds rallying and commodities, including oil, surging. The banking sector down 5.5%, with energy and car makers also near the bottom of the table. Stocks is under down 1.3%. Shares in oil giant BP dropping most in three months after its decision to offload its stake in Russia's Rosneft was given, given little chance of attracting a buyer. The London-based company warning it could take a financial hit of as much as 25 billion dollars. BB shares down more than six and a half percent today. Live in London, I'm Ewan Potts, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Ewan, thank you. Well, oil is soaring as energy markets are thrown into a state of disarray and checking prices right now. Dimex crude oil is up five and a quarter percent. It's at $96.41 a barrel and Brent is up more than five percent as well at $102.89. Bloomberg's Renita Young joins us live with more. Good morning, Renita. Good morning, Karen. Brent crude jumped more than seven percent overnight before pulling back to trade around $103 a barrel. The oil supply was already struggling to meet demand from rebounding economies, and any disruptions from Russia, which is the world's number three producer, could exacerbate conditions. Meantime, China and other buyers have paused purchases of Russia's flagship oil grade, and some Asian customers are frantically trying to secure more Middle Eastern crude. Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Renita, thanks. And there's even more fallout this morning from the Russian invasion of Ukraine. The Bank of Russia just said there will be no stock trading today on the Moscow Exchange. The Russian Central Bank more than doubled its key interest rate overnight to the highest in almost two decades. The interest rate will increase from 95 to 20%. Well, back here in the U.S., Nathan, Fed Chair Jay Powell must strike a delicate balance before Congress this week. Powell delivers semi-annual testimony on Wednesday and will likely endorse recent signals from his colleagues that the Fed will raise interest rates in March. At the same time, Russia's invasion has injected a dose of uncertainty. Again, futures are falling with S&P futures down 67 points this morning. And straight ahead, your latest local headlines, plus a check of sports. And this is Bloomberg. 
Thanks, Karen. It's 507 on Wall Street, 29 degrees in Central Park. An accident investigations on the southbound Cross Bronx Expressway. It's at the Henry Hudson off-ramp. Details coming up in traffic. First, Michael Barr with... More on what's going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. New York's COVID-19 restrictions in the city and around the state will be scaled back in the coming days, ending indoor school mask mandates. Governor Kathy Hochul cited recent CDC guidance that classified New York as low risk for COVID infection. There are some states, some counties uh, in the state of New York where they have a higher rate of transmission. We will allow them the flexibility to determine what's best for their county. We would encourage them to take a look at this and follow the CDC, but this will no longer be a mandate. Governor Hochul also says New York will also cut back requirements to show proof of vaccination in city restaurants, gyms, and other venues. Some governors are banning the sale of Russian vodka in response to the invasion of Ukraine. It comes as New York is among states pledging to welcome Ukrainian refugees. Governor Kathy Hochul signed an executive order that will result in a review of New York's business ties, purchases, and investments possibly connected to Russian entities. Because we have the Statue of Liberty in our harbor, this is a point of pride for us to welcome all of them. Hochul says New York is the home to the largest Ukrainian population in America. North Korea says it tested cameras to be installed on a spy satellite. Today's announcement comes a day after North Korea's neighbors detected a ballistic missile launch. The U.N. and others view a satellite launch by North Korea as a cover for tests of missile technology. President Joe Biden's approval rating fell to a record low. A new Washington Post-ABC News poll shows only 37 percent approve of the job he's doing and 55 percent say that they disapprove ahead of his first State of the Union address tomorrow. Judge Katanji Brown-Jackson will start paying courtesy visits to U.S. Senators this week ahead of her confirmation hearing. If approved, she would be the first black woman seated on the U.S. Supreme Court. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer of New York reacted to President Biden's Supreme Court nominee. She is just such an outstanding nominee. It's amazed me that no one in her past who has worked with her both when she was on the private side and then as a judge has anything bad to say about her, whether they're Democrat, Republican, liberal, or conservative. Senator Schumer, Global News 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg Nathan. Thank you, Michael. Coming up to 510 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Good morning, John Stashauer. Good morning, Nathan. Seven days in a row, the two sides of the baseball lockout have met. The one yesterday lasted six hours, but after each one, the story is always the same. No real progress on the key economic issues. They'll be back for more today, but according to MLB, if they don't emerge today with a lockout any labor deal, the season will not start on time and will not be 162 games. At the Garden, Knicks beaten by Philadelphia, 125-109. Joel Embiid, 37 points. He went to the free throw line 27 times. Two Knicks centers fouled out trying to defend him. Embiid made 23 of those foul shots. And the new sixer, James Harden, who engineered a trade out of Brooklyn, scored 29 at a triple-double and is feeling good with Philly. This is my second game in, hopefully, I've been there a month. Uh, but just my body feels great, man. It feels great. I haven't felt this way, honestly, in a really, really long time. So just my pop, my, my me getting to the rim, my, my extra step, um, it feels really great. The Knicks not feeling so hot. They've lost 15 of their last 18. That's the worst in the NBA over that time. Lakers not much better. Lost at home to New Orleans by 28. Dallas came from 19 down in the second half to win at Golden State. Rangers were also at the Garden. Quiet night for the Blue Shirts. Lost to Vancouver 5-2. to two. Islanders a 4 nothing win. 
at Anaheim. Bad loss for St. John's with the Big East Tournament coming next week. The Red Storm fell at DePaul, 99-94. Javon Freeman Liberties with 39 points for the Blue Demons. Manhattan lost to Fairfield. Iona beat Ryder. The Gales have dominated the MAC, but will need to win the upcoming tournament to gain entry to the NCAAs. In Austrian, Sepp Straka came from five shots down to win the Honda Golf in Palm Beach. John Stash Hour, Bloomberg Sports. Thank you, John. S&P futures now down 73 points. Dow futures down 471. NASDAQ futures lower by 216 points. The 10-year Treasury up 15.30 seconds. The yield 1.90%. Analysis of the market reaction to the sanctions on Russia next with former Gartman Letter publisher Dennis Gartman. Bloomberg 1130 weather, sunny, breezy, cold today. Highs in the mid-30s. We'll be back in the mid-40s tomorrow under a partly sunny sky. By Wednesday, we'll be near 50 degrees. Right now, it's 29 in Central Park. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. Equities falling, sovereign bonds rallying, and commodities surging amid heightened uncertainty after Western nations escalate sanctions on Russia for the invasion of Ukraine. Banks leading declines in Europe's stock 600 index. U.S. futures are sliding while utilities and defense stocks gain. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures down 70 points. Dow futures down 469. NASDAQ futures down 205. The DAX in Germany is down 2.5%. The 10-year Treasury up 15.30 seconds. The yield 1.90%. Yield on the two-year 1.49%. Nymex crude oil up 5.25%, up $4.83 at $96.42 a barrel. Brent is at $103 a barrel. Comex gold is up 9 tenths percent or $17.30 at $19.04.90 an ounce. The euro 1.1187 against the dollar. British pound 1.3388. The yen at 115.58 and checking bitcoin this morning moving higher at $38,280 that's up two and a quarter percent that's a bloomberg business flash now here's michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world michael good morning good morning karen president vladimir putin dramatically escalated east-west tensions by ordering russian nuclear forces on high alert It follows new crippling Western sanctions that forced his central bank to sharply raise its key rate to save the ruble from collapse. The Russian military offered to allow residents to leave Kiev via a safe corridor today while it beefed up for an onslaught on the capital. Meanwhile, Ukraine has agreed to talks with Moscow near the Belarus border. In the NBA, the Knicks, Celtics, and Warriors lost. In the NHL, the Islanders won. The Rangers lost. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. All right, Michael, thank you. It's 519 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. We've just gotten this headline from the Interfax News Service, Russia's news agency, that those talks between Russia and Ukraine have begun in Belarus. We'll continue monitoring those developments, of course, for you here on Bloomberg Daybreak. In the meantime, we're joined by Dennis Gartman, chairman of the University of Akron Endowment Investment Committee, former publisher of the Gartman Letter, as we monitor this risk off Monday. Dennis, Good morning. How far do you see this going, this sell-off in equities and uh, rush to safety? I've been very bearish since January 5th after the release of the December FOMC minutes, uh, which indicated that it was going to begin to tighten monetary policy. 
and the circumstances prevailing in Russia obviously have made, or I should say in Ukraine, obviously have made the market a lot more bearish than even I had thought we would get in as short a span of time. But I have to tell you, given the change that has occurred over the course of the past several weeks, given the put-call ratio now in favor of puts, which is extremely unusual, given the level at which the CNN Fear and Greed Index had fallen, given the massive decline in stock prices, I am demonstrably less bearish than I was. I don't think that I shall turn bullish yet. Uh, the old saw you, you uh, buy on the sound of—excuse <coughs> me—buy on the—buy <coughs> on the sound of the guns. <coughs> right. But uh, at this point, I had been bearish for the for the past 13 weeks, and I'm demonstrably less bearish than I was. I think we probably exhausted most of the downside. Let us hope that it's true. But I think that uh, the the amount of panic that has occurred has taken prices about as far as they're going to take them, at least in the near term. I was okay. bearish. I was very bearish. I am demonstrably less so this morning than I was, and we bounced almost 200 Dow points in the course of the last two hours. And gold has come off almost $30 from its high uh, that we saw early in, in the trading session. So I've been bearish, but I'm demonstrably less so than I was. And we are seeing a bit of a pullback, I think it's safe to say, from the uh, lows on the session in the overnight uh, as uh, futures had fallen much further than we're seeing right now. And uh, at the same time, though, Dennis, we are continuing to see this big spike in crude oil prices with uh, the possibility, perhaps, of further sanctions. Could we see more volatility in the energy market? It is possible to see more volatility, but as you've heard me say before, and I'll say again and I'll say into the future, pay attention to what the term structure is doing. And it was interesting to me that last week as we soared to the upside crude oil and we took Brent almost, or we took Brent well past $100 a barrel and we took WTI very, very nearly to $100 a barrel, the term structure began actually to weaken. The front months actually began to lose relative to the back months. And as I've always told people, watch the term structure. And in any storable commodity, the term structure is probably the best leading indicator. And the fact that the term structure, in fact, the, the, the backwardation in crude oil did not widen demonstrably and, in fact, narrowed last week, told me at least that I think we've seen the high in crude for a while. Do you think the developments that we're seeing in Ukraine will shake the Fed in terms of its uh, rate path for the rest of this year? Yes, I think it's probably slowed down the propensity of the Fed to raise the, the overnight Fed funds rate 50 points at the March meeting. It's probably reduced that. They, they're going to they're gonna raise the overnight Fed funds rate, but instead of the 50 basis point increase, it'll probably be 25 basis points. And instead of taking it up at every meeting, they'll probably take the, the overnight Fed funds rate higher every other meeting. So, yes, I think there's no question the political circumstances, the geopolitical circumstances prevailing have without question slowed the Fed's propensity to tighten monetary policy. Will they? Will they continue? Will they uh, begin the process of quantitative tightening and the end of quantitative easing at the March meeting? No question. But will, are they going to be as aggressive as I thought they would have been two or three weeks ago? No, they will not. Do you see any contagion risk from what the uh, action we're seeing in the ruble with the uh, ruble sinking as much as it has by as much as 30 percent? And we're seeing all these bank runs in Russia as well. Is there contagion risk? There's always contagion risk, but I think that the monetary authorities are probably on top of it. There's always the possibility that things can get out of a hand. There's always the possibility of severe blowback. But I think, uh, quite honestly, I, I would guess that the ECB and the Fed, the Bank of Canada, the Bank of England et al. have had probably discussions concerning these matters and are on top of the situation. I'm not fearful of, of demonstrable material untoward blowback, but there's always that possibility. 
Thanks, as always, Dennis, for your insights. Dennis Gartman is the former publisher of the Gartman Letter, now chairman of the University of Akron Endowment Investment Committee. As we uh, continue to watch the sell-off in equities this morning, S&P futures are now down 70 points. Dow futures down 481. NASDAQ futures lower by 197 points. The ruble is down uh, more than 16% right now. The 10-year Treasury is up 14.30 seconds. The yield 1.91%. Passing along this red headline that just crossed the Bloomberg Terminal, from the Nikkei News Service in Japan, Toyota suspending its plants in Japan on a supplier cyber attack. Much more to come as Bloomberg Daybreak continues. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 11.30 weather, sunny, breezy, mid-30s. That's all we'll get to today. By tomorrow, we'll be in the mid-40s, and we're expecting a high near 50 by Wednesday. Currently 29 degrees in Central Park. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130. To Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 991. To Boston. Bloomberg 1061. To San Francisco. Bloomberg 960. To the country. Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe. The Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. It's 5.30 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. We're just about four hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Let's get you up to date on the news you need to know at this hour, beginning with the latest developments in Eastern Europe. Interfax is reporting that talks have started between Russia and Ukraine. Pleasant President Vladimir Zelensky questions whether much will come of it, but he feels bound to make an attempt if it means a chance at peace. Meantime, Western nations have agreed to impose more sanctions aimed at isolating Russia's economy. Penalties have yet to include the energy industry. Here is White House Spokesperson Jen Psaki. Energy sanctions are certainly on the table. We have not taken those off, but we also want to do that and make sure we're minimizing the impact on the global marketplace. White House spokesperson Jen Psaki made the comments on ABC's This Week, heard Sundays on Bloomberg Radio. Well, fears of an energy crisis, Karen, have oil surging this morning. Checking prices now, NYMEX crudes up 5% or $4.53 at $96.13 a barrel. Brent is up 4.9% at $102.75. Bloomberg's Renita Young joins us live with more. Renita? Nathan, Brent crude jumped more than 7% overnight before pulling back to trade around $102 a barrel. The oil supply was already struggling to meet demand from rebounding economies, and any disruptions from Russia, which is the world's number three producer, could exacerbate conditions. Meantime, China and other buyers have paused purchases of Russia's flagship oil grade, and some Asian customers are frantically trying to secure more Middle Eastern crude. Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Renita, thank you. While oil is spiking, equities are selling off and sovereign bonds are rallying. S&P futures, which were down almost 3% earlier this morning, are now down 1.7%. The yield on the 10-year Treasury is at 1.91%. Of course, it's all tied to moves this weekend to isolate Moscow's financial system. Karen, let's get the latest on that live from Bloomberg's John Tucker. John. Nathan, fresh Western sanctions seek to prevent Russia's central bank from using foreign reserves to blunt the penalties. Now, the added sanctions also exclude some Russian lenders from the SWIFT messaging system. Well, that underpins trillions of dollars worth of transactions. As a result of these moves, doubts are now growing about the Bank of Russia's ability to backstop that country's financial system. That has the ruble essentially turning to rubble this morning and now takes 100 ruble to buy $1. Live in New York, I'm John Tucker, Bloomberg Daybreak. 
All right, John, thank you. And S&P futures are down 74 points this morning. Dow futures down 495 and NASDAQ futures down 217. Again, the 10-year Treasury up 1330 seconds, yield 1.91%. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines plus a check of sports. This is Bloomberg. 533 on Wall Street, 28 degrees in Central Park. There's a car on the Amtrak tracks near the Henry Hudson and the Cross Bronx. Details coming up in traffic. First, Michael Barr with more on what's going on in New York and around the world. Michael. Thank you very much, Nathan. It is a new coronavirus mandate milestone for New York State. Governor Kathy Hochul is lifting mask requirements in all of the state's public schools starting Wednesday, giving parents and students the option. Individual parents have their own Knowledge of their children. They know their own children's health. They know their tolerance for the mask. They know whether for them, if they've got an underlying health condition. She says the move follows new CDC guidelines. Governor Hochul also condemned any bullying or harassment against those who choose to keep their masks on. Governor Hochul also says New York is among states pledging to welcome Ukrainian refugees. These are our fellow brothers and sisters. We worship with them. We go to restaurants with them. We celebrate their cultural festivals. They're an important part of the fabric of New York State. So an attack on their country is truly an attack on all of us. Hochul also signed an executive order that will result in a review of New York's business ties, purchases, and investments possibly connected to Russian entities. North Korea followed up January's record barrage of missile tests with the firing of a suspected mid-range ballistic rocket ramping up tensions as global attention is focused on Ukraine. Meanwhile, Pyongyang says it tested cameras to be installed on a spy satellite. Move on from former President Trump. That's the advice for Republicans from Trump's former Attorney General William Barr in his new book called One Damn Thing After Another. Barr writes that the former president has shown he has neither the temperament nor persuasive powers to provide the kind of positive leadership that's needed and that Republicans need to focus on fresh faces. As to whether the election was stolen, Barr says no, Trump lost it. In an upset, the deaf family drama Coda has won top honors at a very unpredictable Screen Actors Guild Awards that also saw wins for the leads of Squid Game, the cast of Ted Lasso, and Will Smith. Global News 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg Nathan. The show goes on. Thank you, Michael. Mm-hmm. 535 on Wall Street, so to sports. Let's get a Bloomberg Sports Update now with John Stanshower. Thanks, Nathan. Doubleheader at the Garden and two New York losses up first. The Knicks, who were over 500 in mid-January, 3 and 15 since. That's the worst of any NBA team. Philadelphia won 125-109. The Knicks kept fouling. Joel Embiid, he took 27 free throws, made 23, scored 37. Knicks coach Tom Thibodeau asked, why all the fouls? If they're generating speed and there's contact, there's... There's going to be, you know, and it's, you know, some some games it's marginal contact. It's not a foul. Some other games it, it is. And so that's where you have to adjust. And, you know, you have to be in early and, and get out early. And you have to pull your hands back. And you got to stay down on shot fakes and, and that sort of thing. James Harden, second game with the Sixers, 29 points of a triple-double. Evan Fournier, R.J. Barrett, both with 24. But Julius Randle in two games since the All-Star break has shot six 
of 28. And now the Knicks go on the road for a seven-game trip, all but one, against teams currently in the playoffs. After the hoops, they put down the ice for the Rangers and Canucks. Blue Shirts trailed 4 nothing in the third period. A couple of goals made it interesting, but Vancouver won 5-2. Islanders a 4 nothing win at Anaheim, fifth shutout of the year for Ilya Soroki. St. John's lost at DePaul, 99-94. UConn beat Georgetown. The Hoyas are 0-17 in the Big East. Patrick Ewing says he's hopeful he gets to keep his job. Baseball lockout continues. If no labor deal by today, the season will be shortened. The Mets have hired 25-year-old Elizabeth Ben to be their director of Major League Operations. She had been working in the MLB office. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. Thanks, John. 537 on Wall Street. Time for the Tri-State Business Report. Here's Bloomberg's Ed Corey. New York City neighborhood stores are struggling to confront crimes that have cascaded from the disruptions of the pandemic. The Times reports last year complaints of retail theft were about 16% higher than in 2019, but arrest rates have dropped. New Yorkers are barred from buying or selling a cryptocurrency created just for them. City Coins created NYC Coin in November, but there is a problem. New Yorkers can create coins through the mining process, but they can't trade them on an exchange because the state requires any crypto trading platform to have a bit license to operate there. Hundreds of thousands of electric and natural gas customers in New Jersey who are behind on their utility bills will soon face the prospect of having their service cut off unless they sign up for help or make payment arrangements. A winter moratorium against shutoffs expires on March 15th. That's your Bloomberg Tri-State Business Report. I'm Ed Corey. Thanks, Ed. It's 538 on Wall Street. Bloomberg Radio is on the air from San Francisco to New York, London to Hong Kong. Let's check in with our global news team for some of the top stories heard on our 300 affiliate radio stations around the world. Steve Potus got on 1010 wins in New York. We're talking about New York City's pension system weighing divestiture of Russian assets. I'm Courtney Donahoe on KTRH in Houston. The crisis in Ukraine has upended the cost of shipping oil by sea. I'm Gina Cervetti, and for KCBS in San Francisco, I'm reporting that Airbnb is offering housing for up to 100,000 Ukrainian refugees who are fleeing the Russian invasion. I'm Caroline Hepfield, Bloomberg DAB, Digital Radio in London. We're reporting on the UK preventing any transactions with Russia's central bank as Western sanctions bite. I'm Ed Corey on WTAM in Cleveland. I'm reporting the Benish Law Firm is moving into eight floors at Key Tower, the biggest new lease in the Cleveland Central Business District in years. Those are some of the stories our 2,700 Bloomberg journalists and analysts are working on this morning around the world. It's 539 on Wall Street. The following is an editorial from Bloomberg Opinion. For months, the U.S. has held on to about $7 billion belonging to the people of Afghanistan. That money must be administered wisely. Some background. After the Taliban swept into power last summer, the U.S. blocked Afghanistan's assets held at the Federal Reserve. President Joe Biden recently issued an order creating the impression that half those funds would go to the families of victims of the September 11th terrorist attacks. To be clear, Biden's intentions were good. After the U.S. froze the reserves, a victims group laid claim to all the money as part of a judgment won against the Taliban. Biden's order cuts the amount they can pursue in half, and the plaintiffs must still win their case in court. But the reserves rightfully belong to the Afghan people, and it should be reserved for its intended purpose to stabilize the Afghan economy. 
This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. For more Bloomberg Opinion, please go to Bloomberg.com slash opinion or O-P-I-N-Go on the Bloomberg Terminal. This has been Bloomberg Opinion. Listen for Bloomberg Opinion editorials every weekday at this time. Terminal customers can read more at O-P-I-N-Go. Futures moving lower. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Bloomberg 11.30 weather, sunny, breezy, mid-30s for highs today. We'll be in the mid-40s by tomorrow. High near 50, mostly sunny for Wednesday. Right now, clear skies, 28 degrees in Central Park. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. Equities are falling, sovereign bonds rallying, and commodities surging amid heightened uncertainty after Western nations escalated sanctions on Russia for the invasion of Ukraine. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures down 63 points. Dow futures down 427. NASDAQ futures down 184. The DAX in Germany is down 2.5%. Ten-year Treasury up 12.30 seconds. Yield 1.92%. They yield on the two-year 1.49%. Next, crude oil up 5% or $4.56 at $96.17 a barrel. Comex gold is up 1% or $19 at 1906 an ounce. The euro 1.1186 against the dollar. British pound 1.3386. The yen 115.61. And Bitcoin moving higher, more up more than 2.5% at 30 $8,400. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Thank you very much, Karen. A Ukrainian delegation led by its defense minister arrived at the border with Belarus for talks with Russian officials. It comes as Ukraine is still holding off Russia's military five days after the start of the invasion. Hong Kong reported a record high 34,000-plus infections as deaths continued to climb. Health authorities say that the lockdown has not been ruled out, even though the city's leader previously said that a citywide lockdown was unrealistic for COVID. In the NBA, the Knicks, Celtics, and Warriors lost. In the NHL, the Islanders won. The Rangers lost. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg. Nathan. Okay, Michael, thanks for coming up to 549 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. As we continue following developments in the war in Ukraine, we're joined live now from Geneva, Switzerland, by Bloomberg's Maria Tadeo. Maria, it's good to have you with us this morning. As we heard from Michael Barr, the uh, Interfax News Service in Russia is reporting that the talks between Ukrainian and Russian delegations in Belarus are underway now. What are the expectations going into these discussions? Well, they are underway. We know the Ukrainians have sent a delegation to the border near to Belarus. And uh, the idea, of course, here is to work out where we go from here. You know, the reality is we have seen five days of heavy fighting, but the Ukrainian army is resisting. We're now seeing the Europeans, of course, uh, saying that they will provide weapons and financing and putting, of course, very heavy sanctions on Russia, so they feel like they can still hold on uh, to this. In terms of uh, potential talking points in this uh, meeting today, the reality is the Ukrainians say there's nothing to talk about until and unless 
Russia agrees to a ceasefire and they agree to pull back their troops. Otherwise, it would be very difficult for them to negotiate anything. They would not uh, see signs of good faith from Russia, and essentially the Ukrainians would feel like they're walking here into a trap that results in capitulation. But as I say, after five days of heavy fighting, but really huge resistance from the people of Ukraine, the Ukrainian government has no incentive to give up what they believe have been five very good days of resistance and just capitulate to whatever Vladimir Putin asks for. Now, of course, on top of the Ukrainian resistance we have seen, we've also got these massive sanctions now from Europe on the Russian central bank, several uh, private banks being kicked off the SWIFT system, something that had been seen as a nuclear option. And apparently in response, Russian President Putin is telling his nuclear forces to be on high alert now. How seriously is the uh, European alliance taking this threat from Russia when it comes to the nuclear threat? Well, just to put it in context, of course, yesterday Vladimir Putin uh, came out and said uh, there has been some very unfriendly economic measures when it comes to the West on Russia, and there has been some very threatened language from NATO when it comes to the West on Russia. So given this, we're going to put on high alert our nuclear deterrence. Now, when I spoke to a European official about this yesterday, well, he told me three things. A lot of this does sound like a big bluff from a man who expected a very quick war, a very in-and-out invasion, who expected that in 48 hours, Kiev, the capital city of Ukraine, would fall, and that's not been the case, so he's now corner. But the two, this European official uh, who I was speaking with late yesterday said, it is completely crazy to talk about nuclear weapons. It's a huge responsibility, and it does show you, and it does tell you a lot about the personality of, quote, the man, the man, of course, being Vladimir Putin. It's interesting that when it comes to the United States and Europe, no one has kind of matched up the language. No one's wanted to say, oh, we're going to do that too, and we're going to kind of put our nuclear weapons on standby. No one is doing this because they really want to treat this as an incredibly serious thing. Nuclear weapons, this is not a joke, and we should not be using them around as if as if it was one. And heading into these talks, we've also heard from Ukrainian President Zelensky calling for fast-track membership into the European Union now and a response from the uh, head of the European Union that they're differing opinions on enlarging the bloc. They expect that uh, formal request to join the alliance uh, in the coming days here. What's the appetite for further diplomatic support for Ukraine, even along the lines of bringing them into the European Union? Look, I think we, we, we have to be clear on, on a number of things. Uh, when you look at the way the European Union uh, works, you do need uh, what sometimes is a very slow process to agree on things. And uh, any move, of course, takes 27 countries, the 27 countries that form the European Union, and it has to be agreed uh, unanimously. Up until now, this membership is something that is written in the Ukrainian constitution, by the way, and that they've always said they aspired to. There was a clear message yesterday from the head of the European Commission, which runs this thing, saying Ukraine is Europe, we view them as Europeans, and we want them uh, in Europe. But I have to be very honest here. Is this going to happen overnight? Well, my take, and, and based on my understanding on how the European Union works, it's naive to say that it will. A lot of this has to do with giving hope to the people of Ukraine, to giving them a perspective for the future, but do not expect that this membership is going to happen overnight. That's not how the European Union works. Great insights, Maria. Thanks for this. Good to have you with us this morning. Maria Tadeo, Bloomberg News correspondent, joining us from Geneva, Switzerland. Karen. 
right, Nathan, thank you. And it is 5.53 on Wall Street. Time now for the Bloomberg Law Report brought to you by American Arbitration Association. Business disputes are inevitable. Resolve faster with the American Arbitration Association, the global leader in alternative dispute resolution for over 90 years. More at ADR.org. Now, a legal story we're following this morning brings us to the Supreme Court. President Biden has nominated Federal Appeals Court Judge Ketanji Brown Jackson to be the first black woman on the high court. Jackson brings an unusual set of professional experiences, including a background as a public defender and a record of work on disparities in criminal punishment. For more on the nominee, Bloomberg's June Grosso speaks to Leah Littman, a professor at the University of Michigan Law School. What does Ketanji Brown Jackson bring to the court? Judge Ketanji Brown Jackson brings so many things to the Supreme Court, it would be difficult to list them all. First, she has experience as a public defender. That is a perspective that is currently missing on the Supreme Court. She is also a former district judge. She is also someone with trial experience. Only Justice Sotomayor on the Supreme Court previously worked as a district judge, someone who actually oversaw trials. Judge Ketanji Brown-Jackson also worked on the Sentencing Commission that oversees all federal sentencing within the federal court. That's just some of the expertise she brings to the court. Of course, she also clerked for Justice Breyer, so she knows the person who she is replacing. She's a two-time graduate of Harvard, both for college and for law school. And she will be the first black woman to serve on the Supreme Court. She will be an incredible justice, and she is eminently qualified for the position. She's been seen as the leading contender for quite some time. There were two other judges on the short list. What does she bring that set her apart? Judge Jackson brings a kind of professional diversity to the Supreme Court that is really lacking and really important, namely her experience working with indigent criminal defendants. Um, there is no public defender on the Supreme Court. There is no lawyer who has been a civil rights lawyer on the Supreme Court. Judge Ketanji Brown-Jackson will bring those perspectives to the court, and the other nominees did not, even though they would have brought other forms of professional diversity to the court. And President Biden has really emphasized the importance of bringing public defenders, bringing civil rights lawyers into the federal courts. Supreme Court confirmation hearings have become very confrontational and sometimes downright nasty. Less than a year ago, she was confirmed to the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals, but it's different when it's the Supreme Court. It is different when it is the Supreme Court. I think objectively, we should expect these hearings to be, frankly, quite easy. You know, she sailed through the last round of confirmation hearings for a reason. She sailed through with the support of Republican senators. Nothing meaningful has changed from then to now, except the courts to which she is appointed. She has the same superb qualifications. She has the same excellent professional background. She has the same temperament. This is someone who, by any conventional metric, should fail through the Supreme Court confirmation process. That's not to say she will, but this is someone whose qualifications, whose temperament, whose professional history all suggest this should be a very easy confirmation. And that's University of Michigan law professor Leah Littman speaking with Bloomberg's Stone Grasso. Catch more of that interview plus analysis of the latest legal news by listening to the Bloomberg Law Show at 10 p.m. Eastern time or subscribing to the Bloomberg Law podcast. And attorneys can find exceptional legal research and business development tools at BloombergLaw.com. S&P futures down 61 points. That's down 1.4%. So off their lows of the morning. Dow futures down 411. And NASDAQ futures down 193. 10-year treasury up 11.30 seconds. The yield 1.92%. 
And straight ahead, we have our top stories as Bloomberg Daybreak continues. This is Bloomberg. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.